2: Everybody, it is friday november 3rd 2023 and it is indeed a heck of a morning we are live on the mma fighting twitter spaces you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network what's going on everybody i am mike Heck. hope you're all having a wonderful week it is friday which means we get to have a little more fun on the show it's a free-for-all friday which means we can talk about mma we can talk about boxing. We can talk about whatever the hell you want. We can talk about the media space, all sorts of fun stuff. We are also on the eve of UFC Sao Paulo. That is going down tomorrow, beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, main card at 9 p.m. Eastern. The weigh ins, for the most part, are done. And there is a lot of drama today, my friends. A lot of drama on the scale. Not in the main event. Both Jalen Almeida and Derek Lewis made weight. Derek Lewis with a 29-pound advantage over Jalen Almeida. Lewis hit 265 on the nose. Jalen Almeida was 236. Co-main event between Gabriel Bonfim and Nicholas Dalby's a go. Rodrigo Nascimento, Dantel Mays is a go. Kyle Baraglio, Abu Smagabadoff is a go. Adolfo Vieta, Armin Petrosian is a go. Ishmael Bonfim missed weight by 3.5 pounds. He fights Vince Pichelle, who also missed weight. He missed weight by a pound as of right now. I believe Pichelle is an extra hour. So I think he gets another crack at it, but there's no way Bonfim's going to make weight. So that's, that's a tough one. But again, if you're Bonfim, like why not? So what? You're going to lose 20% of your purse, maybe 30? Get all the advantages you can. You're making like 12 and 12. I mean, this is this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Why put yourself through the pain of cutting those extra poundage for nothing? If you can get the win bonus on the back end, it's just so silly that you can get away with this. Uh, Brenner and Krasowski is a go. That's a catch weight of 165. With sitting stid- stepping in on short notice. Renat Facortinonov versus Elizu dos Santos that is a go I'm really looking forward to that fight Daniel Marco successfully made weight Victor Hugo his opponent did not he waited at 138 and a half another big miss uh Vitor Petrino is a go Angel Hill denise Gomez is a go Montserrat Ruiz 114.5, and a half taking on Eduardo Mara who missed weight by three and a half pounds if I'm monster at Ruiz oh uh, well, take uh, you know, she didn't take that one. Maybe just take the take the take the show money and call it a day. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. And then Kauai Fernandez and Mark Chu good to go. So four fighters missed weights. That might go down to three if Pachel makes it, but all the misses were pretty significant. Outside of Pichel missing by a pound, so we'll see what happens there if we get any updates. I will let you guys know, but like I said, it's a free-for-all Friday. Let's party. Let's do this. Yaya, kick us off. What's going on, Big Mike? How you doing? Happy Friday. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I, recently, I just had one question for you. I, I recently read um, Henry Ceruto was just talking about um, kind of like the qualifications of a USC champion, I guess, in terms of how it's being diluted in a sense of how uh, fighters are getting championship fights and he was talking about specific to uh, Aspinall um, and Pavlovich and how he thinks it's more of a number one contenders match than it is a championship fight uh, for the interim title. Um, so I just wanted to get your take on that. Thank you. Huffrider. I mean, he's not wrong, but who cares? Like at the end of the day, like, look, I, I'm not saying he's wrong because these go, these two guys don't deserve to fight for an interim title he's right because the titles are props now. It's not a meritocracy in the UFC. It's just like either a main event falls out and we just create an interim title out of the thin blue sky, which is technically what they're doing here. Even though you can make a compelling case that these two guys could fight for the actual belt right now. Because think about what happened last year. Think about what happened last year. Yuri Prashka gets hurt. Now he's not the champion. John Jones gets hurt. Gonna be out 8 months or so. Doesn't get stripped of the belt. I know they look, and I understand this. I get in this discussion all the time. Well, Yuri said he relinquished the title. I don't believe that for a second. I uh do I think Yuri kind of accepted it and understood what the what the plan was, sure. Do I think Yuri walked into UFC headquarters and just threw the title on Dana White's desk and said, I'm no longer the champion. I don't want to hold this division. No, I don't believe that for a second. And he's basically said the same. So what's the difference here? What's the difference? Yuri, first fight back, gets title shot. Why can't John do the same? I, I don't understand. But I understand that John's a big star and whatnot. But he's not wrong. The, like, uh, you, we can just create title fights. We can just create them. We did it with Cyril Gunn and Derek Lewis. We've done this a million times. We have to stop treating these. And there are certain cases like there are big-time title fights, and it's like to crown the best fighter in the world in that division. But it's not always like that. Just look at what's happening at middleweight right now. Sean Strickland should be fighting Drikas Duplessis in his next fight. There's like unequivocally, that should be the fight that's going to be made. But Hamza Chimaev could find his way into that title shot after winning a majority decision against Kamara Usman. And Drikas Duplessis annihilated Robert Whitaker. Which win means more? Which win is more impressive? No disrespect to Hamza Chimaev, He got the job done. But it's a popularity contest in a lot of respects. You could have just made this fight without the interim title, and it would have been awesome. But We add a little bit of stakes to it. And the good news is the guys get more money, so I appreciate that aspect of it. But I I can't believe I'm saying this. Henry Cejudo is not 100% wrong here. He's not 100% wrong. The titles are being diluted. It does happen a lot, and it's been happening for so long. We have to create belts for certain events. Remember UFC 208? They created the featherweight title just because they didn't have a main event and they canceled the January pay-per-view. So out of nowhere, they just created the featherweight title because we had they had to. They created a BMF title just so they could have a title fight at Madison Square Garden, UFC 244. Did the same at UFC 291. Got to have a title fight. Let's just create belts. But UFC is just crushing it right now. Currently. Now, this antitrust lawsuit could change some things, but I don't know if you guys saw what happened yesterday. Uh, Buddy Elbow first reported it. We got our hands on some numbers too. I'm telling you, when this thing goes to trial, we're going to see a lot more. Now we're seeing like actual paydays. We're seeing actual paydays. Look at Conor McGregor. UFC 189, made anywhere between $2.64 million and $3.3 million, rounding it up. Flat pay was $500,000. Full payout included a $2.11 million discretionary bonus. UFC 194, the Jose Aldo fight. Conor McGregor made right around $4.5 million to the Jose Aldo fight. Disclosed pay $500,000, got everything all in. UFC one hundred and ninety six, Connor made almost six million, five and a half mil. Disclosed pay was a million. That's everything on top of it. Two hundred two, right around the same. Nate made four point three million for that fight with pay per view, and Connor made seven million for the Eddie Alvarez fight, which seems like a lot of money. But if you have actually look at the gate and the pay per view numbers, which were revealed back then, that's a small piece of the pie considering what McGregor meant to that company in twenty sixteen. We got, like, you could see Ronda Rousey's pay on MAFighting.com. Liz Carmouche fight, she made between 262000 and Her biggest payday was the Amanda, <clears throat> excuse me, the Amanda Nunes fight. Made close to $5.5 million. Disclosed pay was $3 million, while Nunes' disclosed pay was 200000 John Jones, more of the same making anywhere between a million and the first DC fight, close to 4 million. Like, again, these seem like big numbers, but compared to Gates and pay-per-view buys, like, it's just a small fraction of what they probably should be making. Like, most people thought Connor was making way more money than that. BJ Penn, during his unbelievable run, The most he made was four hundred seventy five thousand dollars for the Nick Diaz fight at UFC one thirty seven. That's it. CM Punk made a one (laughs) over a million dollars for the Mickey Gall fight, made five hundred thousand plus bonuses over a million dollars, while Mickey Gall made thirty thousand dollars for that fight. See, this is just a taste of what this antitrust lawsuit could bring to the table, my friends. This is just a taste. Uh, Let's go to Thomas. What's up, Thomas? Um, Thomas, bounce out and bounce back in. It's not going through for some reason. Uh, Let's try four on Sniper. Yep, I got you.
0: Hey, heck of a morning, Mike. Uh, I just wanted to ask real quick: um, of the fighters that missed weight, have they confirmed if they have uh, canceled the fights or not, or are we still waiting on their announcement for that? Thanks.
2: Um, I think we're still waiting. As of right now, let me just check. I would. I they're probably going to wait for for Pachel. Uh, let me just check the UFC's site. I assume the Pichel fight will move forward because I believe Okay, so one fight is official. Uh, the Mara Monster at Ruiz is a go 30% goes to Monster at Ruiz. Uh, Bonfim Hugo those fights aren't official as of yet but I believe Bonfim and Pachel have the same manager so I think the negotiations will be pretty easy I think Pachel is probably going to wait to see if he can make 156 before starting that negotiation because then he doesn't get anything from Bonfim if he doesn't make weight but if he makes the weight then he can get a percentage of the purse which isn't going to be a whole hell of a lot if we're being honest but I would guess all of these fights are going to happen. But I'll let you guys know. But yes, we just found out uh, via the promotion, Mara, Conejo, Ruiz, Will Buford, 30% of the purse goes to Conejo. But tough scenes. Tough scenes in Sao Paulo this morning. J-Mac, go ahead.
3: Um, just curious. Uh, I know that they have the uh, UFC Chinese card coming up. And I just want to know if y- – I've been hoping – that White Whaley Zhang versus Yan is on that card. I just want to know if you have heard anything about that. Um, And also, um, who would you like to see Paul Felder, the Irish dragon, have for his first uh, fight back? All right, thanks, Mike. Uh,
2: Jim Miller is the answer to the second question. Just do it at UFC 300. I think that makes all the sense in the world. I think that makes all the sense in the world. I had someone DM me and said, "I have the per, basically said like they had the perfect fight for Paul Felder, and it's Patty Pimblett after the Tony Ferguson fight. Why would Patty take that fight if they're if him and his team are treating this like Tony's the the dude and he's the most dangerous guy he's ever fought and all this and he becomes like a top fifteen dude? Why would he fight Paul Felder in his comeback fight? That doesn't make any sense to me. So Jim Miller's the correct answer." One hundred percent, Jim Miller's correct answer. Love that idea. Love that, and it's been a day, my friends. I don't know why I don't know remember this. Oh, now I remember. The first question is: uh, Will Zhang Wei Li Yan Nan headline Shanghai? I would be stunned. If it does. I don't know what's going to headline. I'm hearing rumblings that it's either going to... It could be like a middleweight fight of some sort. But I don't know. I don't know. It appears like maybe Roman Delizze is going to be involved in one half of this fight. I don't know what's going on. I know Ali tweeted about it. I know Roman kind of teased possibly fighting in Shanghai. And then Ali sort of tweeted that Delize is a gangster and takes tough fights no matter what. So, I don't know. Maybe they do like Delize versus Whitaker on that card or something. I don't know. I really don't know. But I would assume that's going to be announced. That'll probably be announced tomorrow. Or maybe we can confirm it today. We'll see. Thomas, go ahead.
4: Hey Mike, um, heck of a morning to you guys. Heck of a morning for me in, in the UK. Just wanted to ask you. Um, I don't know if you would have seen or would have been around the news um, of the death of Adam Johnson, who plays for the Nottingham Panthers in the Elite League in the UK. So it's ice hockey. Um, I just wanted to see what if you know anything about your kind of laws around neck guards. Basically, it was a, a stray tackle. The blade cut the guy's throat. And he died pretty much within a few minutes of bleeding out, it was awful
2: yeah that was tough man that was tough I tried to like avoid it but like this this new Twitter like you just couldn't it looks I don't know it it looked pretty it looks pretty sus if we're being honest I don't want to go out and like start accusing people of anything but it didn't look the aesthetics aren't great so I'm not sure what's gonna happen with that whole situation it's just it sucks. It sucks. It really sucks. It's really all I can say. I don't really know what's, what else is going to happen with it, but super unfortunate. Hate when that shit happens, man.
1: So sad.
2: Uh, Serb, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning to you. Uh, been in and out. I ha- uh, wasn't sure if you had heard this. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, Sox signing uh, Craig Breslow to be the new head of ops there. Thank you. Heck of a morning. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just a weird one. Like no one wants – like no one wanted to interview for the GM spot or like any of those positions like internally or externally. Like it's so weird. And then Craig Breslow comes in out of nowhere and takes the head of ops job. I don't know. I saw the pieces of the presser yesterday and like he said the right things. Oh, we got to do this. We have to have this new mentality and blah, 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 blah. Well, then go on and spend some fucking money then. Go make a move. Have some balls. What is going... Like, this is the Boston Red Sox. This isn't the Tampa Bay Rays. This is the fucking Red Sox. Spend some money. Make a play. Make a move. Go get Otani. Otani wants to play in Boston. He wants to come there. Pay that man his money. Have some balls and sign him. And until that happens, or they make a significant move, that impacts the future of this ball club, it's just going to be the same shit. It's just going to be the same stuff from, from the Red Sox that we've gotten for the last seven years, six years, five years, since they won the title in 2018. They're like, you know what? We're going to trade the core of our team for nothing. Ugh. It's a fucking team. <laughs> Sorry. Let's go to Crying Belly. Go ahead, Crying Belly.
0: What's up, Mike? Um, Good morning. Um, Nobody knows, obviously, but Derek Lewis is my favorite heavyweight. He always was since I started watching uh, combat sports. Um, So my question to you is, um, does Derek Lewis have abs? And did he? I I didn't see the weigh-in show. They didn't have one. So I was wondering if you knew. And also, do you think Derek Lewis is going to win? Thank you.
2: Uh, there were some abs there. I mean, but Lewis looked good, man. He looks good even at two sixty-five. Like you can see in his face, he's all thin in the face. He's in really good shape. Doesn't have like a full six-pack, but see, you can see some abs poking out of there. He didn't like let himself go or anything. Looks good. He looks good. He's in good shape. The other question is, do I think he's gonna win? I don't think he's going to win. I think it's a terrible matchup for him. However, Derek Lewis brings some things to the table that are very interesting. Like, his anti-jiu-jitsu is just not believing in it. So, the big question in this fight is, because, look, Derek Lewis is getting taken down. And he's going to get taken down within the first minute of this fight. It's going to happen. My biggest question is, can Derek Lewis stand back up? Because if he can't, this fight is not getting to round two. If he can, that's when things get very interesting. From a betting perspective, I think there's value on Derek Lewis at plus 370. I do. I do. If it was like plus 290, probably not. But plus 370, I think there's a little bit of value there. I really do. But my pick is going to be Jilton Almeida. I think he's like straight pick, 50-50, money line, odds, like everything's even. I'm picking Jelton Almeida. I don't think this fight gets to round three, either. Almeida's just gonna, you know. Let me see what I'm like. Could be we could get like an Almeida TKO here, but I, I just think if Derek gets back up after that first takedown, the next thirty seconds are going to be interesting. But if Almeida gets him down again, the fight's over. So my pick is Almeida. I do think there's a little value at plus three seventy. Lewis is the bigger, more experienced fighter for sure. Jeltzen has been in there with big dudes as well. Shamil Durahimov is not a small guy, and Jeltzen tossed that dude around like he was nothing. So, we'll see. My pick is Almeida, but if, like I like I said a couple times this week already, if the Magic MMA betting money fairy dropped a twenty on me and said the only the only thing you can use this money for is to bet money line Almeida or Lewis, I'm picking Derek Lewis. I would put it on Derek Lewis. Probably throwing the money away, but I would definitely take a shot at plus 370. Efren, go ahead. You're muted, Efren.
0: My there bad. My good. bad. Um, hey, Mike. This is from Oregon. Just had a quick question. Um, I've been seeing posts about Tyson Fury uh, flirting with retirement. He's 35 years old and gone. was 37. So I'm just... You know, kind of asking about that. And then the, also, I have a question about John Jones retiring. Do you think it's a good idea? Because, you know, he's... I think he's 30, about the same age as Nganu, But, you know, he's kind of on his way out. But yeah, that's it.
2: Um, I don't know. Jones is interesting, because he's... He still seems to have it. He's 36. By the time he fights Stepe, A, like if that fight happens, I'm guessing it would happen in International Flight Week. He'll be knocking like just like literally on the doorstep of 37. But a heavyweight, he could fight another two or three years easily. So I don't think he's gonna retire. I think he'll I think he'll do the Stepe A fight. I don't think he fights either Aspinall or Pavlovich maybe Aspinall in the future. If like Aspinall wins the interim title and becomes the undisputed champ, like if, like if Jones does take a sabbatical, which I don't think he's going to, by the way, I don't think he's going to, I'll explain in a moment, but no, I don't think John's going to retire. I don't think John's going to like flat out retire. Even if like, I'll explain myself in a second, but Tyson Fury thing, look, I've seen some tweets about it. There's reports he's contemplating it. This would be like the 337th time Tyson Fury has announced his retirement. So I don't believe it for a second. I don't believe it for a second. There's too much money to be made. And Tyson Fury has said many times, if he doesn't have anything going for him, if there isn't a fight to prepare for, he kind of loses his shit a little bit. Kind of like what Volkanovsky said after he lost to Islam Makhachev following UFC 294. Where it's like, I don't have anything to prepare for or take, you know, have a goal set in mind from a career standpoint, kind of throws me off a little bit. If you guys recall, Tyson retired before him and Francis like had that face-off in the ring. Remember that? That was gonna be his final fight. He was gonna do maybe an exhibition with Francis. Remember that? And then he came right back. You think he's gonna retire before this Usyk fight? That Usyk fight is so much more interesting now than it was before this past Saturday. It is so much more interesting now. So I don't... And then a rematch with Francis is huge right now. It's gigantic. It's so big. I I don't think he's going to retire. I don't buy it for a second. I don't buy it for a second. The John Jones thing... And I've been on record on this show many, many times. I said, saying that John Jones Stepe, if it happens at UFC two ninety five, Stepe, it's going to be Stepe's final fight, and then John will say, "I'm taking a break." I didn't. Th- I don't think John would actually say, "Like I'm full on retiring," but I think he would just be like, "All right, I'm going to go away for a minute." Vacates. Maybe the UFC vacates the title or whatever, and then they do the Pavlovich. Aspinall fight anyways. And then I was basically saying that if Aspinall won the title and ran off a couple defenses and his star power basically got to the point where it's like just about over the hump, then I think John would come back and fight him or the Nganu fight. Obviously if they could somehow the egos could be set aside and we can make that happen, which by the way, again, there's literally nothing stopping that fight from being made other than the egos of the UFC stopping it from happening because they don't want to co-promote with anybody instead of putting on the biggest fight they could make right now. And that is by far the biggest fight that they could be a part of right now. Having said that, my opinion has changed a little bit. My opinion has changed. I'll give you a little spoiler. There is going to be a little roundtable coming out. Um, and I was thinking about this a lot. And one of the questions that's on it is, will the winner of the UFC 295 co-main event be the UFC heavyweight champion at the end of the year? And I said, no. I said no because if John – I'm playing sort of crystal ball here. Jones-Stipe probably happens in July. Jones beats Stipe. That rem- what, at least five months left for the year? I don't know if John actually retires at that point. I think after the injury and the recovery and everything that he's gone through, I think he's going to stick around. Now, if Tom Aspinall wins, I think Jones is just going to go ahead and fight Tom Aspinall. I think that fight happens in 2025. I could see it happening. I could also see Tommy Aspinall defending the interim title at least once before we get to that point, if he wins. Pavlovich, I'm not really sure. But if Pavlovich just lunchboxes Tom Aspinall without a single takedown attempt defended, I still think Jones might consider that. I think Jones will milk this thing. I really do. I think he's going to milk it a little bit. Had this fight happened next Saturday, I didn't feel that way. But now we're getting extended here. Jones fights in March, doesn't fight again for over a year. Steep out almost over three years by the time he fights. I think John's going to milk this thing a little bit. So the heavyweight division is just going to be super weird next year is basically how I'll leave it. But now I don't think Jones is going to retire. If he beats Steve Bay. I do think this will be Steve Bay's final fight, win or lose. Cause I I mean, Steve Bay doesn't need to do this. He'll do it for John and that's it. But I'm kind of feeling like John's not gonna retire anymore. I think he's gonna stick around and fight one of these guys. I do. I kind of feel it. We'll see. J Stat, go ahead. Uh, did go through. Oh, wait a minute. Abzolia, hang tight. J-Stat, do we have you? Can't, yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Abzolia, just hang tight. am unmute yourself. I'll get back to you in a second. Uh, all right, J-Stat yeah. got through. Sure. Uh, go ahead, J-Stat. Um, what fight besides the Tom Aspinall, Pavlovich, um, are you looking forward to next Saturday? Uh, me personally, it's the Benoit Saint-Denis and uh, Matt Pavola fight. That'd be all. I mean, that fight friggin' rules. I can't wait for that one. That was one of my best Otno picks ever, and it came to fruition. And I said main – I think I nailed everything about it. I said main card opener, MSG, that should be what opens the show on pay-per-view. And we got it done. That might be the best Otno pick I've ever had. Obviously, the main event is, is awesome. That's like – if there's one – if Someone came to me and said, you can only watch one UFC fight the rest of the year. What are you picking? It's Yuri versus Pereira. It's not even close. It's not even close. I like the Pat Sabatini-Diego Lopez fight. Matusha Bechke and Narulo Aliev is going to be an absolute wild affair. <laughs> that fight is going to be absolutely nuts. The Slava Klaus fight is interesting. I really wanted to see the Steve Irreg Matt Chanel fight, but we get Alexander Costa, so that should be fine. Richie Godinez, I think is going to be interesting. It's a fine card. This is just a this is just a lot of heavy lifting up the top. Like Jessica Andrade Mackenzie Dern is like a fine fight, but I just feel like I feel like Jessica Andrade is just taking the worst fights you could possibly take. But yeah, is the correct answer outside of outside of the top two. Uh, can I good afternoon,
4: Hey, how are you doing, man? Heck of a morning. Hope you're having a great day. Just you had too, man. um, yeah, just have um two three questions. I'll make it quick. Um, I wanted to add to the John Jones convo you're talking about. Uh, I'm definitely curious to see if he ends up fighting the winner of Tom versus uh, Sergey. I think he might have a little bit of interest now because he, he knows that both of them are really pushing themselves out there as, um you know, interesting opponents. And I'm sure John, some part of Jones as a competitor would love to prove that, you know, hey, I can beat one of these newer generation guys because I like Cyril Gunn, but Cyril Gunn is, I, I wouldn't say it counts exactly because he's more closer to Jones' age than not. You know, whereas Tom, Aspinall or Sergei, they're like, much more young and fresh, so I definitely love to see that. And I don't know he probably know if Curtis play, but imagine Curtis play were to possibly get this little guy match up to get one last shot at the number one contenders match. And if he were to win that, I'm sure Jones would definitely sign off for that because they have a little bit of a history, you know, based on Twitter. Um, and if Francis ever gets that opportunity, Dana's down for it. Then I really hope that happens because I know Jones will be down. And he will. Definitely persuade Dane as much as you can. Now, the other question I just have—it's an NBA-related question. I'm sure you saw the James Harden um, trade. I would definitely like to get your thoughts on it. Um, uh, also, just uh, any—you know—any predictions for now? How do you see this whole thing playing out? And you know, what are things at at stake for the team? Um, from my point of view, I'm really. Word for Russell Westbrook, this guy's getting the short end of the stick. Uh, ever since he's left um, OKC, he's done really well in the Clippers. He was the perfect player that the Clippers needed in terms of the facilitating playmaking. And now James Harden joining it, uh, in my opinion, just makes no sense. Yeah, sure, he'll provide scoring, and he's a very good playmaker himself. But I just feel that the guy's delusional. Like he does, he actually believes that he's still in his Houston Rockets and early Brooklyn Nets days, where he was that guy when he's no longer there. And he has a really bad team record of, you know, staying loyal. So I'm definitely curious to see how this whole thing plays. But uh, if I was Russ, if I was T. Lou, I would really be putting some boundaries and restrictions on Harden. Simple as that. That's all I have.
2: Have a great day. Can't put Harden in a corner, though. He's just going to sit there and fight out of it. So, yeah, look, Harden's going to put up numbers, but when – The going gets tough. He ain't it. When you need somebody to have the ball with five seconds left in game seven, James Harden's going to demand it, but he doesn't have the balls to put the ball in the hoop. So, dude's just not a winner. He's a good player and he puts up good numbers. He's just not a winner. I'm a little more bummed because, like, the Celtics playing the Sixers in the playoffs with Harden on the team was, like, I was so excited for that. Now we may not even see the Sixers in the playoffs. Who knows? They might sneak in there. But with Harden, it was like a guaranteed series win because the pressure is just going to get to him and he's going to fall apart. The Celtics played horrible against the Sixers in that series and still found a way to win. The one game they played well was game seven and they blew the doors off of them because Harden and Embiid and all of them just don't have that killer instinct to close out a game in a big spot. So... Yeah, good luck to him. But Clippers, I think, honestly got a little bit worse when it comes to playoff time. They'll have a guy who could score, but he's the A-Rod of the NBA. Like, Harden will put up 50 in a game where, like, the team wins by 30, but he'll, but in a game where they lose by three, he'll shoot, like, four of 21. That's just who he is. So, kind of a bummer you left the conference, but it is what it is. Um. Uh, yeah, I think John's gonna stick around. I think John's gonna stick around. I really do. I don't know if the Pavlovich fight, like the Pavlovich fight, if Pavlovich goes out. Let's just say Aspinall attempts four takedowns and like Pavlovich stops all four, and then he knocks out Aspinall. I don't know if that's gonna be enough for Jones. But if like Pavlovich just lands a big shot, knocks him out in like a minute, I think John might be interested in that fight. If Aspinall wins, I think there's something there. I really do. I mean, was really the only guy that John has responded to in all of this. So yeah, Heavyweight's gonna be uh Heavyweight's in a really decent spot, but it's going it's just gonna be messy with this whole situation with the belts. Cause we're gonna have to wait for John Stipe. John's gonna win. He's gonna milk this for all it's worth. We're gonna have interim titles defended. And then we have other guys like Cyril Gauna, and Jelton Almeida and Volkoff and some of these up-and-comers, and we don't know what the hell they're going to do. So, yeah, it's going to be a messy, Flair. It's going to be a messy, messy, messy year in the heavyweight division. By the way, a uh, little bit of update. Vince Pichel reweighed 155 and a half. He's, a, he's good to go. Still no update on the purses for the other two fights. Like I mentioned earlier, Mara. Forfeiting thirty percent of her purse to Conejo, and that fight will move forward. The bonfim Pachel fight and the Victor Hugo fight versus Daniel Marco still up in the air. But I would, I would venture a guess that all those fights will happen. I mean, we could lose one if we're being honest. Eric, go ahead. up? So. I'm gonna.
3: No, I think I think Tom Austin versus John Jones will be a good fight, but it's just that uh John Jones won't fight uh Steve though. I wanted to see that fight. And uh Derek Lewis is gonna take a loss, but he's gonna come back from this. Thanks, guys
2: Yeah, I mean look, a Derek Lewis win would be absolutely insane. It would be absolutely insane. Especially in the non meritocratic world of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, because Derek is over. He's a company guy. He just signed a new a fight deal. He could have tested free agency and made a hell of a lot more money with the PFL than he's making with the UFC. But he was a. He, I don't even think from like conversations I've had with people in the know. I don't even think Derek actually hit free agency at all. Because I think there's there's certain like periods of you know, exclusive rights and then matching powers and all that. And I think Derek Lewis like re-signed like three days later. So I don't think Derek actually like actually entered the market and talked to anybody. I think his mind was basically made up after the the fight. He did mention it. But then in the post fight presser after UFC two ninety one, he basically said, I wanna stay here. Hopefully they 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 treat me well and apparently they did. They gave him an A fight deal and for pretty good money. He would have made more PFL, that's for damn sure. Can you imagine where he'd be at right now? And you know what? You can even make you can make a weird case that he actually, I don't know, maybe he made the right choice. Because if he had think about it this way: if he had signed with PFL to fight Francis in March, <laughs> He ain't fighting Francis in March. He ain't getting that $2 million payday in March because Francis is about to go box somebody and make a whole hell of a lot more money. So, I don't know. It's weird, but a win would be really strange. I'd, I'm really interested to see what happens if Derek Lewis wins. You mentioned Joan Stipe. It's a bummer we're not getting it. I still think we're going to get it. it just We're just going to have to wait for it. That's all. I think we're going to get it. Seems to be the only fight John wants. The only fight Stipe is going to take. So I do think this fight happens. And yeah, Derek Lewis is probably going to lose. But good thing about Derek Lewis is nobody cares about wins and losses when it comes to Derek Lewis. Rankings don't mean shit. None of that matters. People just want to see Derek Lewis fight. You can just throw Derek Lewis in squash matches for the rest of time, and people will be thrilled. As long as he crotch chops, takes his pants off, and throws his cup into the crowd, doesn't matter who he fights. Derek Lewis is just going to be Derek Lewis, and people love that. People love Derek Lewis. But if he wins, then we have a whole different conversation. Cole, go ahead. Good
4: morning, Mike. I mean,
2: just think about Francis, man. Do you remember that fight against Derek Lewis? Like, think after that fight, you go on to beat a top 10 all-time heavyweight
3: champion I, mean, I guess but uh my free-for-all friday question for you today is what's your favorite musical group of all time to listen to and is there a band or an artist that's past their prime that you wish you could have had the chance to see live there go.
2: uh jeez Favorite musical group? I don't know. There's a bunch. Pearl Jam is probably the first one that comes to my head. They're like really the first band that I liked. They're the first band that I saw live. I've seen them live a million times. And Pearl Jam's like, you can listen to Pearl Jam anytime. The band that I've probably seen second most is Dave Matthews. But Dave Matthews is not like a group I listen to in the car or like, you know what I mean? Like I'm aware of them and i would like hear songs on the radio but it's the experience of seeing them live which was like a big thing for us where i went to high school it was like a guaranteed thing we knew what we were doing new year's eve dave matthews always played the boston garden or the td garden at the time they did it basically my entire high school run and then in the summer they would play a show at they eventually moved it to foxborough stadium and we would all go to that it was like we knew what we were doing on those Two times of the year, we're all going like, there's like a hundred of us from like all different uh, classes from my high school would go see Dave Matthews. But Dave Matthews is in a band like I listened to in the car or anything like that. OAR is another band that I've seen a lot. They're a band I've listened to more in the car. I uh, really like them. Band that's past their prime that I wish I had seen. Um, I've seen ai mean, I've seen so many bands. I'm trying to think of like somebody I haven't seen yet that I kind of want. Like, Incubus would be a good one. Like, I've never seen Incubus. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I mean, I've seen pretty much everybody. Even, like, Tenacious D, I've got to see them play a set before, which is friggin' awesome. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody that I'm like, oh, damn it, I wish I got the chance to see them. But I, I mean, I pretty. I've seen Drowning Pool, back in the day, before dime. Everything happened with Dimebag. So yeah, I've seen anybody that I've really kind of wanted to see, I've seen. That's. I like that question though. Uh, AKGM, you're up. Uh, not going through. Alright, bounce out. Bounce back in. Uh, Efren's got another question. Go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, So, I wanted to ask, what was your favorite fight in the UFC? Mine, personally, has been uh, Tony Ferguson versus Pettis, just because of how crazy it got in that one round, but it ended kind of... it It kind of sucked at the end,
2: but it was still a great fight for me. That's it. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, it's Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler. That's that's my jam. That's the one. UFC 195 almost the perfect fight. Had it all. The ups, the downs. Robbie Lawler, we got fifth round Robbie Lawler at his best, like high level stuff. We got kind of psychopathic tendencies. We had a razor close fight. We had a controversial scorecard that could have gone either way. It kind of felt like the one drawback from Condit Lawler is that Carlos Condit should have won the welterweight title that night. I've watched that fight probably more than any fight in the history of the UFC, and I feel like Carlos Condit should be should have should have won the welterweight title that night and. The tough, the other like really interesting part of, there's a couple interesting parts about that fight. One is that Lawler and Conda were never the same again. They were never, ever the same again. That was it. They took, they took their, they took each other's primes that night. They took a piece of each other in such a visceral way that neither was ever the same again. Friggin', I mean, it's just such a good fight. And also, that we talk about 2016 and 2023, that was the main event that set the tone for the rest of 2016, which is the craziest year in the history of the sport. And that fight is often forgotten about. And I believe it was the fight of the year, it should have been the fight of the year. And it happened the first pay per view. That absolutely should have been the fight of the year. I don't know if it was. Let me go back into the archives. But it better be that one. It was. See, MA Fighting, great website. They get it. They get it. Fight of the year. Even above Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz too, which is also a great fight. Cub Swanson, Duho Choi, which is in the friggin' Hall of Fame, was the third best fight of 2016, according to MAFighting.com. Misha Tate, Holly Holm, number four. Dominic Cruz, TJ Dillashaw, number five. Honorable mentions. Marco Polo Reyes, Dong Hyun Kim, UFC 199. Great fight. UFC 199 199 is a ridiculous card. Diaz McGregor, one. Bisping Henderson, two. Jake Matthews, Johnny Case, Neil Magny, Hector Lombard. You want to? For all the people out there who feel like Neil Magny is a boring fighter, go watch Neil Magny, Hector Lombard, Angel Lee, May Yamaguchi, Joanna, Claudia Gedalia Two great fight, Bisping, Anderson Silva, crazy fight, and maybe the most un, underappreciated fight in UFC history. Tyrod Woodley versus Steven Thompson, honorable mention. The second fight between these two guys was awful. It was so, so bad. And the second fight was so awful that it makes people forget about the first fight, which was at MSG, the first UFC event ever at Madison Square Garden, and it was the fight of the night. And everyone forgets about it because of how awful the second fight was. But yes, Kondo Lawler. If that's the fight, whatever the fight of the year 2016 is should be a top five fight of all time. To me, that's number one. And that should be a Hall of Fame fight. Uh, J-Mac, what do you got?
3: Like, uh, so I, 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 uh, I have a prediction, and I, I want to not know point if, I, if it comes true. So I think John Jones is retiring after the Stipe fight, but I don't think he's going to fight Tom Aspinall, and I don't think he's going to fight Sergei Pavlovich. I think he's going to fight Francis Ngannou in 2024, and they're going to do it at uh, Alliance Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. 2024, John Jones versus Francis, baddest man on the planet. Biggest fight of the year. Thanks, Mike.
2: I mean, I, I appreciate your positivity. I mean, AK, who is in this room, might, have a, a, might be getting a run for your money here. Uh, but it's not going to happen. It's just not. The UFC will never do it. They will never do it. And it's unfortunate. And it's all ego. Again, it's all ego. Dana White has basically said, like, no, he ain't coming back here. Francis will never be back here. But here's the thing. As big as that fight would be, and it would be the biggest fight you can make in mixed martial arts right now, there's nothing you can make that would be a bigger fight than that one. The UFC doesn't need it. The UFC does not need that fight. Let me just pull something up real quick. And I will explain to you why. Uh, Our own David Meyer wrote about this. Uh, It's on MMA Fighting. First major UFC financials reveal staggering revenue following WWE merger. All right, so listen to this. This is why this fight's not going to happen. The UFC's sole financial information has been revealed with a deeper dive in revenue through the second quarter of 2023. Listen to this. Listen to this. During the first two quarters of 2023, the UFC, and I'm reading this verbatim, my friends, produced 611.9% Million dollars in revenue across media rights and content, live events, sponsorship, and consumer product licensing. Again, through the first two quarters, that's half a year, half a year, they produce $611.9 million of revenue. Meteor- now, this is largely based on the ESPN deal. Listen to this. ESPN, quarter one, paid out $224.1 million in the first quarter and $211.7 million in the second quarter. The ESPN deal for the first two quarters of 2023 almost produced a half a billion dollars. They don't need this fight. The landscapers are here and they have uh, they have it all here. So, yes. Well, I would love to see it, and while it's the biggest fight that can be made, the UFC is not going to make it, and they don't need to, and that's why. They're printing money. They're printing money. That's why they can put on these crappy Apex cards. That's why they could charge a trillion dollars for tickets. Who cares? They don't need to sell pay-per-views, they don't need to sell tickets. I mean, they make a ton of money on the ticket sales, too. But they don't need it. They don't need it. What do they make in ticket sales? I know that's up there, too. $63.8 million from tickets through the first two quarters. For half a year, $63.8 million in live events. 54.2 54.2 million in sponsorships. Product licensing, 18.1 million. It's insane. They're making so much money. And that's why we're not going to see John Jones or Francis Ghana. because they don't need to make it. They're going to make like a billion dollars this year just from ESPN. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. All right, landscapers are here. They're about to make a ton of noise, so I'm gonna get out of here. So thank you all very much. Uh, We will have a UFC Sao Paulo preview show coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern. Stay tuned for that. I wrapped up an interview about an hour and 20 minutes ago with a guy you might know. His name is Dustin Poirier. That'll be coming to MMA Fighting soon. I talked to Wonderboy Thompson. I talked to the great John Anik. You'll hear both of those conversations coming up later on this month. Anik will probably drop early next week. Wonder Boy maybe a little bit later on in the month. But lots coming. This show returns on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Easter. We'll do it again. Landscapers, take us home. Have a heck of a morning, everybody.